of fun to be able to have a time in which we just stop and say thank you. Those uh, came off of the post-it notes off in the back that we had written the last uh, couple of weeks. And I just want to say thank you for participating, to be thankful. What are you thankful for? There are so many different things we could be thankful for. I, uh, this past week, uh, last night, uh, my kids and I, we went, and Jamie, we went to um, the Grand Prairie Lights and we ran the 5K. I am thankful that I could actually get out and run. I'm thankful that I had kids that had a little bit of compassion on their dad who uh, didn't make me run the entire time. A couple of my, a couple of my daughters, uh, my two oldest ones, they just said, Dad, we'll just see you at the finish line. I said, okay, great. That was, that was very helpful. I'm, I'm glad. They just ran on ahead. They finished, and I was, I was thankful for them, and I was thankful that I had a, um, my uh, third daughter. She said, Dad, can we just run together? And I said, sure. So we ran and then we'd stop and we'd look at lights and then we'd just run a little bit more. And I was like, yes, this is a way to do a 5K. And then my son, he goes, hey, dad, I just want to run. And I said, okay, well, you have to run with somebody. So my brother and his family, they came over. And so we were out there and Jamie's like, it's no big deal. I'll run with him. And he never stopped once. And so I talked to Jamie at the end. I said, how was your run? She said, I'm tired. And I said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm relaxed. I'm good to go. We could keep going for a while the way I was running. So I, we ran, we walked. It was a lot of fun. But compassion, right? Having some compassion on people. What, is, what does compassion look like? Compassion could be a lot of different words. And we're talking, we're, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 15, we are in a series called Ministry Struggles. And today we finish that up. Ministry struggles. And compassion is a word that if you're in ministry, if you've been serving for any amount of time, you understand this word. It's a, it's a word that's going to push you out of your comfort zone. There are going to be moments and times in which you're going to say, oh, look, and you see a need, and then the question becomes, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to serve? Are you not going to serve? Are you just going to sit back and say, oh, we should do something about it? And then maybe you actually have to do something about it. But compassion is a word that we, we can be emotionally stirred, emotionally moved to want to do something, but the question begins to be, what are we going to do about it? I uh, heard a story, a joke about this little girl who they were at the dinner table, and it was a day in which they were giving thanks, and they were all talking about it for Thanksgiving. It was a, a, a great time, and this little girl, she was talking about thanks, and then then she started misbehaving during dinner, and so after several warnings, the dad actually moved her off to the side. So she was sitting there looking at everybody at the dinner table, and she was over in the corner having to wait. And so everybody was, you know, kind of, they kind of smiled a little bit. You know how family, when you get on to your kids, family members seem to think it's really funny when you're having to get on to your own, your, your kids, right? And so this little girl was sitting over there, and everybody was kind of looking back and forth, kind of watching her. And then in just a moment, she begins to pray out loud. And she says this, Dear God, thank you for preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> Compassion might have changed just a little bit for that little girl, right? Uh, the dad might have uh, got a little bit more frustrated. Compassion. As we've talked about ministry struggles, we've talked about loss. How do you continue to minister when you have loss? How do you minister during the storms? We've talked about how that... Ministry doesn't wait for a convenient time. And today what we want to see is we're going to see ministry. When ministry actually calls you to compassion, how are you and I to respond? If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 15, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 15. Go all the way down. We're going to read verse 
29. And Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet, and he healed them, so that the crowd wondered. When they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, they glorified the God of Israel. Verse 32, Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have had nothing to eat. I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your blessings. We are amazed by how that you have allowed us to have a symbol to remember what Jesus has done on the cross. Thank you for that symbol. God, I pray today that as we enter into this week where as a nation we stop, we pause, we we say thank you for what we've received from you. God, I pray that you would help us to remember the countless blessings. And I pray today that you would expand our compassion for people, our compassion for those who are in need. I pray that you would help us, help us to see the needs and help us be willing to do something about it. In Jesus' precious name I pray, and all God's people said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All right, so here's what we want to see. So Jesus has been off on the mountainside. We found the, the woman of great faith last week, and they were, they were in a different region, Tyre and Sidon. They left that area, and now they're coming back down into the Sea of Galilee. They're coming da- back down into a region of primarily Jews, and now as they get into this area, they begin to minister, and the crowds begin to gather around Jesus. And as they begin to gather around Jesus, he just stops, he sits down, And they continue to bring. And did you see the list? People with needs, they kept coming and they kept coming and they kept coming. And these weren't just small needs, were they? They were enormous needs. Needs that physicians could not take care of. There were no magic spells. There were were no major medicines, no major surgeries that could actually take care of the needs that these people had. And so they came to Jesus as one of those last resorts. Hopefully, this man can do something about it. And as Jesus comes... Did you notice the words? And he healed them. The blind are now able to see. Those who were lame are now able to walk. What an amazing day. Can you imagine the sight? To have a loved one who has been sick for years. To have someone in your family who has been crippled since birth. And all of a sudden, no more pain, no more suffering, no more heartache. That little child that you had hoped They even play sports, and you never got to see them play like other kids, and now they're walking. What an amazing day, a day of celebration, and it just continued to draw. There's no wonder why crowds continue to move, and I love this about Jesus, that he has the power over all human disease. We have to stop and pause just for a moment, just to relish and just to stop and just to celebrate what Jesus has. He has enough power. And Matthew wants to make sure, don't forget who you're talking about. Don't forget who you're interacting with. Don't forget that this Jesus, he's not just some ordinary man. He's the one who has power over everything. Isn't that amazing? 
He has power over everything. So whatever you're dealing with, he has the power over it. No matter what the problem, no matter what the need, he has the power. And so Matthew continues and he writes and he says, okay, not only does he have the power, but look what he says at verse 31. When they saw all the people being healed, it says, and they glorified who? The God of Israel. If you have your your bulletins, you can open it up and you're going to see the notes in there and you can fill in the blanks. The ultimate goal for compassion is what? The ultimate goal for compassion is that God is glorified. I want to make sure we're very clear about this. It's not just to help somebody. It's to truly see God glorified. Back in the 1800s, the late 1800s into the early 1900s, there was a movement in in Christianity called the social gospel. And the social gospel was about making sure that as Christians, you would get out into the community and they would begin to help people and help the needs of people. And what was intriguing about it is, is they would talk about evangelism. They would even begin to talk about how that we should be witnessing, but the way they would talk about witnessing would be something very simple. Preach to everyone, share the gospel with everyone, but if you have to, use words. And they were really emphasizing going out and doing good works, good deeds, helping, showing kindness to others. But quite often what they began to do is they forgot to actually share the gospel with those who helped. And so there was another movement in Christianity that began to rebel and say, wait a minute, we shouldn't be just doing good. We should be sharing the gospel. And so what happened was in the mid-1900s, we began to push back and say we we shouldn't be out there actually serving and doing it. So quite often churches began to withdraw and they they would share the gospel, but they wouldn't actually do the kindness the acts of kindness, helping those who are in need. And so they pushed back. And, and so they, to be concerned about not being considered the social gospel, they just stopped doing the kindness. And now we have this movement again where we're talking about, and, and even in our, in our generation right now, what's going on in our nation is that you'll find even corporations, everybody is talking about getting out there and doing these acts of kindness, helping those people. And here's what I want to make sure we're very concerned about and we're very cautious about as a church. The ultimate goal of doing kindness, the ultimate goal of showing compassion, the ultimate goal of meeting physical needs is what? Just to meet physical needs? No. Just to help people? No. The ultimate goal is that God is glorified. We want to make sure that we share who God is. The reason we serve, the reason we minister to people is for a very simple reason. You ready? Because God has so transformed our lives, we want to share what God has done for us and in us, and we love people and we serve people because of what he has done through us. And we want God to be glorified in what we're doing and how we're sharing. That's why we serve. Jesus made it very clear. Yes, the personal, physical needs of people are extremely important. And as a church, we want to be careful. Not that we're just out here just not ever doing any good. One of the main emphasis that we've had over the last few years is we have to get into the community we're helping out in the, in the schools. We're, we're ministering all around in, into our community at the points of need, whether it's through the food bank or through the, the pregnancy resource centers, through multiple different areas. As a church, we have to be involved. We have to be engaging our communities, the point of need. But at the same time, one of the things we have to make sure it happens is that we're bringing glory back to God for what we're doing and how we're doing it. Now watch what happens here. Now, 
the disciples, they, they see it. They're God's glorified, verse 32. And then Jesus calls his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd. <laughs> I have compassion on the crowd for they've been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. Now, time out. Can you imagine coming to a Baptist church and, and, and if, the, if the pastor started preaching more than, that, more than 45 minutes, we would start getting a little frustrated, wouldn't we? Wait a minute, we're not going to be able to beat, you know, the, the church down the road to, to Spring Creek. Time out. We can't do that, Pastor. We can't go that long. Or, or even if we did, if we start looking back a few years ago, we would have potlucks, right? Okay, if we're going to have a long day at church where we have to stay and come back and do the afternoon as well, well, the only way we can do an afternoon service is if we have food, because we're good Baptists. We have to have food. There's always got to be food. Can you imagine three days without eating? I can't even imagine an afternoon without eating. Oh, my goodness. So Jesus has been, been teaching. He's been healing. There's, the crowds have been coming. And I don't know if they brought sack lunches. Some of them obviously had brought sack lunches. But here they are. Jesus looks out, and he sees a need, and he says, okay, we've got to do something about it. If we send the people home now, people are going to begin to faint and we're going to have more of a problem because they don't have enough energy to sustain them. Compassion. I have compassion. And compassion begins, ready, when you actually see the need. When you see the need, and then you have to have one more step. Jesus says, I'm unwilling. I'm committed to actually doing something about the need that I see. And as Christians, here, watch, you ready? As Christians, we see the need quite often, don't we? We see the need. And if you're involved in ministry, and if you've been serving for any amount of time, you see needs of people. And here's what's hard. You can't do everything. Man, I wish I, 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 wish I had really deep pockets because I, I, there's so many needs. I just want to help everybody. And I'm just like, okay, we got to help them. We got to help them. Yesterday, a couple weeks, a couple days ago, I'm, I'm, it was Friday, I guess. Friday, I'm sitting there with my wife, and she tells me the story. I went to her school, and um, I was eating with the kids. And so she tells me the story of a, a, a lady who's a single mom, a teacher there. And as we're, we're talking about her, her kid is, is, has cancer right now. It's not doing well at all. My heart began to break, and we prayed for her, and then we're talking about her. And then my wife says, hey, Heath, do you have some money in your wallet? <laughs> she knew I had some money in my wallet. Isn't that funny how the wives, they just automatically know. They have this homing device. There's money in that wallet. And so she said, Heath, let's give that to her. And I was sitting there going, oh, no, we don't give that. See, my granddad taught me one of the things that you do in your wallet is that in your wallet, and there's these hidden parts, and I'm telling a, a, an open secret now, all right? In the back part of your wallet, there's this hidden compartment, and you should always keep a $100 bill in there just in case you ever get, that was just kind of a, a secret savings just in case, and that was before credit cards and all that. So I still do that. And that's exactly what my wife was referring to. And I'm sitting here going, now wait, Jamie, we can't do that. That's, that's like stashed money. That's an emergency just in case, just in case you're out. She said, Heath, you have cards, but I don't want to put it on a card. And so here we are, we're having this conversation. There's compassion. Let's be honest. There's compassion everywhere. We need to do something. We see it. And here's where Jesus stops. He actually goes one step further and he says, I see the needs and I'm committed to not 
just sitting back and doing nothing. I'm committed to doing something. And here's the, here's, here's the, the movement for us. While you can't do everything, you can do something. While you can't help everyone, you can help someone. And so here's what Jesus says. He says, okay, disciples, gather around. Here we go. We need, we need to do something. So verse 33, and the disciples said to him, where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? When you begin to say, okay, okay, God, I see the need. I, I, I feel compassion. My heart is moved. I see the needs around me. And then now you begin to be committed to doing something about it. Compassion, most often, you ready for this? Most often, compassion will be met with not having enough supplies, not having enough resources. You will meet a resource challenge when you commit, saying, okay, God, I see the need. I feel the need. I feel like we should do something about it, but there's going to be a resource challenge that's going to push you to say, I can't actually do it. It's the first barrier that stops you and says, oh, wait, I can't do it. I don't have any money. Oh, wait, I can't do it because I don't have time. Oh, wait, I, don't, I can't do it because I don't have the energy. Oh, wait, I don't have the health. And there's going to be this resource challenge that's going to hit you right square in the face. And you say, I can't do it. I can't do it. There's no way I can cross that barrier. It's too hard. It's too difficult. The disciples look around and they say, Jesus, we can't do it. We don't have the food. We don't have enough. There's too many people. We're going to find out in just a minute there's about 4,000 people. So this is different than the feeding of the 5,000. But isn't it interesting that Jesus says, I hear you. There is a resource challenge. You can't do it on your own, but I'm still calling us to do something about it. I was reading about an army chaplain. I was reading a book here the other day, and the, the army chaplain, as, again, one of the things that he put up on his door, we said, if you have problems, come and talk to me about all your problems. If you don't have any problems, come and tell me how you don't have any problems. That's a pretty good way to say it. We, we have problems. There's going to be problems. So the question becomes, what do we do about it? And when Jesus has called us, when Jesus has called us, his calling meets with his provision. The provisions are actually his problem, not our problem. Think about this for just a moment. The disciples, the disciples just a few months earlier had already witnessed Jesus feeding the 5,000. But just like you and just like me, the disciples were faced with short-term memory of what God actually has done in the past and how quickly we forget when the barriers come up in front of us, how quickly we forget and say, wait a minute, God, we can't actually do it. There's, it's too big of a barrier, and we forget how God has come through so often for us. And Jesus said, no, set them down. It's time to feed them. What do you have? Verse 34, and Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven and a few small fish. So he directs them to sit down on the ground, and he takes the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And he said to the disciples, give them now to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up the seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. God's compassion plan. God's compassion plan starts 
and works through people. He uses people over and over again. The way in which God meets needs of people is through us. Isn't that interesting? For the God of the universe, he could actually send down manna from heaven. He did that for millions of people, didn't he? He met the needs of feeding people. He even used in the wilderness, he remembered the rock. He allowed Moses to hit the rock and water came out. So God can actually use other things. He doesn't need to use us. But part of his compassion plan is that he would work through people. He sees the need. He says, we need to feed them, set them down. And then Jesus begins to bless and he begins to hand it out. And he has the disciples to hand it out. There's a great chance, a great way to say this. You could actually be the answered prayer that somebody's been praying. That God wants to work through you. God wants to work through me. Somebody's praying. They have a need, and they're saying, God, help me show up. And isn't it interesting that instead of God just answering magically, he chooses to work through us to demonstrate a compassion to demonstrate an act of saying, wow, God does hear prayer, God does answer prayer, and he chooses to work through us. And it says this, verse 37, and they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. I'm going to ask Dr. Morado to come out, and one of the reasons I ask him to come out is, is for sometimes what we, we see the story, we know the story, and I want to encourage us, that compassion needs to happen all around us. And so he has a story that I would like for him to share about an act of compassion, to see a need, having a need, and being the instrument in which God was able to use to meet that need. So Dr. Morado, thank you. It's interesting that we talk about compassion today and the, uh, my wife and I uh, had an opportunity to present it to ourselves when we first were married of being able to show an effort of compassion. And that's be- because we joined a, an exclusive group of people who are adoptive parents. We have two children. We adopted our daughter. She was uh, 22 years old, Brianna, and we adopted her when she was 11 days old. And my son, uh, Brayden, is 19, and uh, we adopted him when he was five weeks old. And, I share this with you because today is a special day. Some of you may not have known this, but today is National Adoption Day. And it's been set aside today to point out that there are 100,000 children in the world, in the United States, excuse me, who are living in foster care, who are waiting, seeking, and hungry for a place that they could call home. And you know already that we were not born into the family of God. And, And being an adoptive parent, points out to me this truth and this realization that uh, that something had to be done to get me into God's family. It wasn't natural. We uh, read in Ephesians 1, 5, it says, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. I love that. According to the kind intention of his will. I know it may sound a little self-serving, but I asked the pastor if it would be okay if I shared a little song that I wrote for my kids when they were just babies and started off as a lullaby, but it's also a special song because it, we knew my children's birth parents, and at least their birth mothers, and 
the environment that they came out of, that we brought them out of, that environment was not a good environment. I would like to think that we honor God through the way we bring them up and the effort that we put forth in being a parent. But I want to share this song with you. It's called Sweet Little Baby. It started off as a lullaby and then it got some verses, but it's a song that I wrote for my little kids. And I just want to say thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be lights in this little dark world and those children's dark world. So long we have patiently waited for the day to come when we would finally meet you and welcome you into our home. Each morning is now bright and sunny, even when clouds are above, because now we are finally a family surrounding each other with love. Sweet little baby, don't you cry Your mommy loves you and so do I Sweet little baby, every day we give thanks to the Lord on high The future is waiting before you We'll guide you the best that we can We'll be there to dry every tear you cry And when you call, we'll end ahead I guess we're the ones who were lucky Somebody loved you so much To give you a life they can't offer You know that's the best kind of love Oh, sweet little baby So do I. Sweet little baby, every day we give thanks to the Lord on high. Sweet little baby, don't you cry. You know we love you with all our lives. Sweet little baby, every day we give thanks to the Lord on high. So long we had patiently waited. For the day to come When we would finally meet you And welcome you into our Thank you, Dr. Morano. Compassion. You see a need. You're moved by it, and you say, we have to do something. You hit the wall and say, wait a minute, I don't know if we can actually do this. It's hard. And then Jesus says, go ahead. And he provides the resources and the ability to have compassion. And I want to show you this last thing, just because 
when we are willing to step out and we share compassion and we show compassion and we do it in such a generous way, we say, okay, God, here we are. We willingly will give this. We'll do it. We'll take that step. Verse 37, it says, and they all ate and were satisfied and they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. The word basket here, I I was playing with the the words and just looking at it and I, I realized that In the feeding of the 5,000, they took up, do you remember how many baskets? It says 12. So I'm thinking, well, man, Jesus didn't do much of a miracle. I mean, this is only 4,000, come on. And there's only seven baskets. And here's what was interesting to me. The basket, the word for basket, two different words. One in the feeding of the 5,000 was the small baskets. And so they were able to just to carry it back. This word for basket was the large baskets. So large that actually, if you remember, one of the disciples was actually put in it and lowered over a wall to escape. Remember Paul being lowered and that was his way of escaping. It's the same word here on basket. It's the word for the large baskets, large enough for a human man to be able to be placed inside. They took up seven baskets full, large baskets. And they brought it back. And I want to encourage you and I want to encourage myself as we look at this. You can't outgive God. You can't do it. You try to be generous and you try to begin to show compassion. And you say, okay, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to show compassion. It was funny. I want to say this now because Friday afternoon, I'm struggling. You remember I told you the story. I was struggling to give my secret stash away of that $100 bill. We got home, and in the mail, I kid you not, my wife opens up a letter. That was to her, because I obviously didn't have enough faith to do it. She opened up a letter, and she says, well, looky there. God gave it back. That was amazing. She had a check for $100. And I just sat there and going, my goodness, how foolish. When, when God has called us and we see the needs, how, how foolish to say no. How foolish to say, wait, I can't do it. And I want to encourage you as you're involved in ministry and as you're serving, you can't outgive God. And when you show compassion and you generously give it, God is glorified in their lives. God's glorified in your life. And you set out to be a blessing to serve somebody in an act of compassion. And it is amazing how that God gives it right back to you. And he says, I want to bless you more than really what you're able to bless somebody else because of generous compassion. And I pray this next week, as we celebrate Thanksgiving, that you walk through this week thankful for how God blesses you. And maybe you're just encouraged to take one more step and to show generous compassion to someone else. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we give you this time and we want to say thank you. God, thank you for how that you moved in Dr. Morado's life and Mary's life to adopt those precious children. God, I pray that you would help us. There are needs all around, and God, we're not called to everyone to to meet the same need, but God, we're called to meet a need. And I pray that you would give us the, the courage to step out, to show compassion, so that, Father, your name is glorified, so that, God, we would see you in a greater way. We love you and thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray.